Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. to have David Ditchfield on the show. David is an artist, composer, and author. In 2006, he was dragged under a speeding train in a freak accident. As the surgeons fought to save him, he had a profound near-death experience. He later realized that he had acquired astonishing new abilities. The first, an ability to create dramatic paintings of what he'd seen in the afterlife. The second, the ability to compose classical music despite being unable to read or write any musical notation. His debut symphony premiered at a sellout orchestral concert to a standing ovation. He has since composed further classical works and premiered at sellout performances and continues to paint and compose in Cambridge, UK. His new book, I think it's new, pretty new, isn't it? When did your book come out? Well, it came out last year. It came okay. out in 2020. Okay. So, yeah, so, so, but it still feels new. fresh to me. <laughs> his new book, Shine On, tells his remarkable story. And it is, I just finished it a few days ago. And I, I suggest to all of my listeners to, to run out and get it because it's just, it's a beautiful, wow, beautiful story. So welcome to the program, David. 
Thank you, Marla. Thanks for having me along. Yeah, absolutely. It's so it's so great to have you here. And I have never done this before, but I played a little bit of your music before this interview started. So we'll see if it works. <laughs> so some people can listen to it before we before I had done your I did your introduction. So gosh, um, let's let's just jump right in. And you have such a tragic turning into beautiful story. But before you tell us about your near-death experience, what was what was your life like before your your NDE? And did you paint or play music or do do anything like that? Well, it was far from that actually. Yeah, I was I was living in London uh, before my accident, and uh, I'd been there for quite some time. I'd I'd moved down there after leaving school with very little qualifications, and so I kind of hoped that you know moving to London would be the land of hope and dreams, you know, and it would all open up for me. I mean, which it did to an extent. I, I enjoyed myself there. I had a great time, you know. I loved London. It was a great buzz, like all capital cities. But there's always a, a drawback with all capital cities, and that is it's very hard to survive, you know, financially. It's, it's really expensive. And not only that, I was meeting and hanging out with a lot of people who were successful. You know, they made something of their lives. And I, I just wanted to be part of that, but could never really get in, you know, into that sort of where most of them were working in the music industry, as it were, you know. And, Interesting. And, and I just, yeah, and I thought... How do you get in there? You know, you're not you're you're not highly qualified, but you you're you're doing well for yourself, you know. And I just didn't know how to do life, how to get the car, how to get the the house, you know, and and all those things that, that they had. Um, and I wasn't it wasn't like I was um it it wasn't like a sort of envy thing, like ah, oh, you know, I wanted. It was, I just kind of felt that I needed my life to move forward, but it wasn't moving forward. I was, I was basically working on construction sites, picking up work day to day, you know, doing manual laboring and that kind of thing and uh, washing up in kitchens, in restaurants and stuff. So it wasn't easy. So, but, uh, so that was my life just before the accident. Yeah. Right. And I remember reading in your book about, well, first of all, were you religious or spiritual at all before, before the accident? I wasn't actually no. Um, I figured that's a lot to do with the fact that when I when I was younger, um, my parents are Christian and they used to take us to church as a family when I was young, and I just didn't feel comfortable in there. I wasn't an atheist, but I just wasn't you know comfortable. And my family, they were very liberal. My parents and said, "Okay, you can stay at home. You don't have to come in." So I kind of like religion was a sort of like. You know, I just thought, no, I've tried that when I was younger and it didn't appeal to me. Um, but, um, you know, it's it was after the near-death experience, obviously, you know, that was all to change. You know, I became and still am um, very spiritual and, um, you know, my faith is very strong to me now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So... I know before your near-death experience, um, somehow you ended up going to a spiritualist church. Um, I know. Can you tell us, <laughs> uh, which is probably totally out of um, nature nature for, you know, because I have a feeling I grew up very much like you. So, so what, <laughs> what happened there before we dive into the experience? Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh I was going to say it's by coincidence, but there's no there's no such thing as coincidence in, in my books anyway. You know, it happened for a reason. But I was on the train 
uh, coming from London to visit my sister and her family. And there was an elderly couple sat opposite me and um, they started asking questions about where the next station was, where St. Ives was, you know, and stuff. There. And so I got chatting and told them where which stop to get off at. And then the, the ladies turned around and said, oh, we're going to see a medium tonight. And she's very good. You know, she was very, you know, enthusiastic about this, yeah. this person. She said she's totally unknown, but she's great. And I said, okay. And I was not interested at all, to be honest with you. I was, uh, I just, I just wanted to get there, you know. Um, but she insisted on giving me this flyer. And so I said, okay. So I put it in my pocket. And when I arrived at my sister's, it was all pretty chaotic. The kids were all running around. And I just thought, I'm going to go and take a drink at the local pub and yeah. have a beer, you know, and chill out. And I opened this flyer up and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go. I decided I'm going to go to this meeting. So I went along and it was a small church called the the St. Ives Spiritualist Church and uh, it, it, you know, I walked in and it was packed and I found myself a seat sat down and she was brilliant she's called Julia Knight and uh, she was just pacing backwards and forwards very animated and picking you know people out and saying you know you know I'm picking up you know and all these different things that were and, and a lady would turn and say yes that's you know that's my father or that's my husband or, or whatever and that all loved ones that had passed were coming through and I thought this is really fascinating so it was more like a show than anything and I was not looking to be picked out but I was she suddenly turned around and she said man in the blue sweater over there um your your life is about to change and I went, oh, okay. And I thought, what is this? The lottery, you know? And am I going to find the girl that, that that I'm chasing at the moment for a relationship? And then uh, she said, no. And I said, what is it? And she she was talking to them like she was. She had a hand on her head. She was going, yes, yes, I know, I know. And then she turned around to me. She said, they're telling me it's going to be very big and it's going to be, you know, but you you'll be protected and uh, so but be ready for it. So I said, great, I will. And of course, of course, uh, looking back on it now, what they were talking about was that this whole thing that was going to unfold for me was just like a huge accident and then a near-death experience, which would completely change my life. So that's what the message was that wow. was being sent to me at that point. Yeah. And I remember reading that that before your accident, that you know, there's some, maybe something happened with a girl, or the and you would think, well, is this yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, tell us about what happened. Um, a little bit about the accident and sure. then your experience of um, of your near death experience. Yeah. Um, well, the accident happened um, when I was in um, in Cambridge, and uh, I'd gone back up for another long weekend I was broke I, I was down to my last 10 pound you know mm -hmm. and I was very depressed anyway so I was staying at my sister's and I'd and I'd, I'd met somebody who I'd got to know just before uh, going up and we connected and uh, we kept in touch by phone and she she's called Anna and she came to stay uh, for, for a few days and I had to see her off at the station she got to get back to London and um, it was a cold February day and I got a sheepskin coat on I remember like three quarter length and I helped her with the bags onto the train and then the, the automatic doors closed basically and my coat got trapped at the bottom part and I couldn't put it free. Um, and there was there was no guard on the on the platform or anything. There was nobody around to help me. And so I just figured at this point, as the engine started to rev, I thought, you know, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. I just thought I was staring death in the face. Um, 
the train started to pull out at great speed and I lost my footing. You know, there it's amazing how fast these trains pull out. You don't think about it when you go and you sit down and you get your, your cell phone out and start typing away. But when you're attached to the outside, it's very, very dramatic and frightening. And then I got, I lost my footing and then I got pulled between the edge of the platform then and the speeding train and then under I went. And it was like being pulled into, you know, like the the the, the jaws of, of dark hell, you know, and I was just thrown around relentlessly like a rag doll. And, um, you know, it was just, I suddenly felt like it was me, flesh and bones, you know, against this huge mechanical beast. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, it was, I went into fight or flight mode, you know, as they call it, and I was determined to fight. And so, I, you know, something larger and bigger than me and all of us saved me that day um so there i was um <laughs> lying down in between the in the middle of the tracks while the train was still speeding on at great speed and then it kind of disappeared off eventually down the track so um to roll forward the the emergency guys got me into into the ambulance and got me into hospital and when i got there i was in the uh, the um, ER department, the emergency department, and they were like sort of, uh, you know, these guys were like sort of um, desperately trying to save my life. I was losing copious amounts of blood, and uh, my family had arrived as well. You know, they were there pretty quick, and it was at that point that I left my body, and I and I left all this chaos and all this pain and agony that I was in, and uh, and I suddenly found myself um, being elevated i guess into into a beautiful realm and and this realm that i was in was like it was uh it was so dark and peaceful and and all the pain had gone and i looked around and there was like these orbs of color that were slowly pulsating all around me like yellows and oranges and reds and and i just felt comforted by by these um these orbs and i i looked around to get my bearings and i realized i was laid out on this big slate rock it was like a big medieval altar is the way I, I often describe it and um I looked down to check my body and everything was intact I was I was no longer clothed but there was no scars or you know my left arm had been severed in the accident but everything was all back in place not even a single scratch and I was just covered in this blue cloth and uh it was like a satin sort of silky material and there was like white light that was just kind of reflecting off this cloth and uh uh i just kind of thought wow this is amazing and i just lay back onto the rock and when i did i looked up and there were like three grids of white light that were slowly closing in on in on me and uh, i looked into that light because the energy that was coming from that light was just so pure and it just felt like it was when I say the energy was coming from it, I felt energy coming from it. And it wasn't just light. It was just more than that. And this was beautiful. So I just kind of lay there and bathed in this kind of, in this warmth, this energy. And then uh, uh, eventually I started to sense that there was somebody there. You know, I you got that sensation. Somebody had entered the scene. So I lifted my head and there was, there was a, there was a beautiful being stood at my feet, an androgynous person uh, with, sort of pure white sort of blonde hair and the skin that was radiated light from within and uh, wearing just a simple black t-shirt just like I'm wearing now a very contemporary black t-shirt and uh, with this face expression that was just kind of smiling at me and I knew this I knew this person it was like a knowing 
smile and I was I was going who are you I, I know you don't I you know and um this person wasn't giving too much away but just kept grinning back at me but um I felt you know this was like my guardian this was like this person was guarding me you know and 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 I was safe now uh, I figured really at this point that that this was it that I that I had died that I passed over and and I didn't fight it or resist it I know that some people I've, I've since heard uh, do try to resist it and because they, they've got so much to live for, their families and stuff like that. Um, but I, I guess I had just been through so much hell that I was just, it was just wonderful just to be in this beautiful realm and I just felt safe there. Um, I suddenly got the sensation that there were, there were more people had arrived at the scene and, and I was right. Uh, I opened my eyes again and uh, there were two female forms either side of me and they were stood there and they got their hands just slowly hovering over my body. And then they were just kind of like healing, I guess, not only all the physical trauma that I'd just been through in that, in that accident, but it felt deeper than that. It felt like they were like, they were basically, uh, pulling off the layers of, of, uh, of, 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 of oppression and hurt or whatever that I, that we all take with us through our lives, you know, and all those layers were being taken off and I just felt like I was healing my, my soul, you know, and it was just the pure essence of my soul that was being healed. And it was a beautiful sensation, you know, and it felt like there was just so much love surrounding me now. And that was coming through both there their hands and from the light and from the person that was first greeted me that it was just like it was like a sensation of all the different types i'd love of love that i'd had in my life whether it had been through my mother father you know brother sister or even my pet cat you know but all my lovers you know but it was all all those different types all encompassed into one and just kind of coming through and it was it was uh unconditional as well it was just very very lovely and so I, I, in fact, I started to think about my family uh, as I uh, felt all this love coming through. And, and I thought they're going to be pretty uh, upset now because clearly I'm, I'm, I'm dead, you know. And I, so I thought I'd look over the edge of this rock and see if I could see them in the hospital. And uh, I, I didn't see them at all. But what I did see as I peered over the edge was this amazing, beautiful sight. It was like a, it was like a huge waterfall of stars. Um, you know, it was like something as, as huge and vast as Niagara, for example, you know, one of the, all those great waterfalls in the world. And, but instead of tons of water spilling over the edge, there were like millions of stars cascading. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. I thought I'm, I'm in the universe itself now. I'm not actually in a small darkened space that I first felt I was in, you know. And uh, I looked down, I, I just peered down into this, waterfall and as my gaze kind of like sort of kept sort of adjusting to how far I was looking down I was, I was looking from one galaxy into another and I could see it was like looking into this infinite beautiful sort of uh, universe and uh, you know I could see nebulas and colors and all these different forms that were coming together it was just a tremendous feeling to be part to be feeling part of the universe if you like um 
and then I, t- I, t- I pulled over and I thought it's interesting because I didn't feel any sense of like, oh my goodness, you know, my, my family, I can't see them. I felt, okay, they'll be all right. They're, they're, they will get through this and then I, they'll be coming over here at some point and they'll be ex- feeling all this, all the wonders that I am now. So uh, I lay back and as I was lying there feeling you know, all this healing that, was, that continued to go on, um, the the most profound moment was about to happen and and that was like i could feel this energy of love uh, was suddenly intensified and it was getting stronger and i thought what's going on you know it's like i looked up and there was this tunnel of white light that was just coming in towards me and it was just getting it was there it was like huge it was like wow and it was like surrounded by all these flames that were slowly circulating around the edge of this white light and uh i thought my goodness this is this is amazing you know it, it, it was quite frightening to look at but i wasn't at all in, in fear you know because I, in that realm you don't feel any of those sensations all i could feel was excitement and i felt when as i looked into this light the energy coming from it was causing every single molecule of my body to vibrate with this energy it was just like tremendous and i knew at this point that what i was looking at here was was the source of all creation you know this was this was god this was not the image of God that I expected him to look like, or I say him because that's because that's normally how God is portrayed as a man, you know, with a beard. But no, God is for me was this huge white tunnel. And so with that knowledge and, and uh, I kind of lay back and laughed to myself because it was just such an incredible, profound and beautiful moment um, that I came crashing back into my body and I was back in the hospital. I was, the pain came rushing through, you know, the, the drama of the hospital was just like, it was overkill, you know, the sound, the noise, the lights, it's like, oh. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so when you were, when you were there, were you still like totally you and also I mean, this happened 15 years ago, is it? And you're still telling the story so vividly. So can you just talk about those those two things? Sure, yeah. Um, well, yes, it was most certainly me. Uh, there was a sensation that it was, it was me in this realm. But um, it felt like uh, a different sort of me as well. Uh, I, I hadn't, before that, I was carrying... I was spending so much time worrying about the past and all past mistakes I'd made and all opportunities I'd missed, or I was worried about the future, about where, especially because I was down to my last 10 pounds, where it's going to go, how am I going to pay my debts and where am I going to go with my life? And I was never in the present moment. Whereas in this realm, I was in the present moment and I didn't care about the past anymore or the future. So for the first time, all the anxieties that I carried with me had gone, you know, and, um, it's you know it's 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 a beautiful feeling to to feel like that you know and uh, it, you know it's it's also you ask me you know what it, it people say to me was it you know how, how can you sort of differentiate it from a, from a dream state or or hallucination or whatever and it's not hallucinogenic I mean that's why as you say I'm talking about it as clear now as I did then because it's never gone you know it's like I describe it as being ultra real you know it's like it's as real as you and I are sat here talking but it's just like it's got this different dimension that is just so strong and powerful and uh, so you never forget it and uh, and of course 
when I first came back from it, even though I was, you know, in the hospital and in the pain and everything, I, I was just so full of excitement. And I, I thought, wow, what just happened there? And, and what's my mission? Why have they sent me back? You know, what, where do I go from here? What am I supposed to be doing? And, uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Well, I'd like to read a quote from your book that just really touched me about your experience. And you said, but what I see is totally unexpected and it is not my old world at all. It is a cascading waterfall of galaxies before me. No entire universes, no whole dimensions, billions of tiny stars forever falling from the outer horizon of the huge circular waterfall, all traveling in the same direction, downwards, ever downwards into an infinite spiral at its heart. It is so much more breathtaking and unimaginable than any of the two-dimensional images of the universe I saw in books or films when I was alive. Wow, I mean, that is, that it's so many times, it's so ineffable to, to be able to tell, you know, this world about your experience, but you've done such a beautiful job. And you must be kind I of see. surprised when you hear yourself talk like this too. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's um I mean being not spiritual or religious and then um wow, just beautiful. Well, not just that. I, you know, I'm also dyslexic, so you know, I never actually thought I would actually be able to write a book. I was right. I had the help of a of a co-writer that made that all happen, you know. You know, I would not yeah. have been able to do it otherwise. But even so, you know, it's it's yeah, all this stuff comes out because what I realized after, afterwards with all, like with the same with all my artwork and my music, it's not just me who's actually creating all this stuff. You know, I'm getting help from somewhere else. I'm, I'm channeling energy and ideas through to be able to articulate all this, uh, to get my story across, you know? And so, so, so it's not all me, but it is, but it still surprises me. It does. I mean, just when I'm, I've been working on some, a new piece of music, in fact, today I was doing some work and then uh, some melodies came through and I, I still sit back and go, wow, that's, that's really lovely. That's really beautiful. And it's right. because I know that I'm just being helped. It's, it's a wonderful feeling when you get that, you know. Well, it's, you know, I in interviewed um, Tony Sicoria and he had ah. said the same thing and he mentioned that, you know, all the greats, Mozart and, and many more have said that the music comes from God or whatever you want to call it, oh, it comes from yeah. the lie. It just flows in. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's exactly what you're saying. So, <laughs> so just one, one more quick question about that. Um, were you told, so you weren't given, given a choice to come back. But were uh, you told that, did you feel like you had more to do on this earth or was that just not part of the experience? Yeah, I, I felt straight away that I got that I got more to do. I yeah. felt like I was like, got a mission to, to sort of to follow through and I couldn't wait to get out there and do something. It's, even though I was in hospital and obviously my body was in a bad way. I mean, I was in there, I was like, you know, I was... I got wires and tubes coming at me, you know, and I, and I could hardly move. But inside, I was this burning energy. I just couldn't 
wait to start you know painting i wanted to do painting first of all so i'm going to paint what i'd seen and i wanted to do like a huge like you know these old italian renaissance paintings all the biblical scenes that are really dramatic i wanted to do something like that just to get the story across and i'd never done anything that like that yeah. at all but it didn't matter i had to do it and so i followed that through so yeah it's it's interesting how how how, how i got so much i i didn't know what my mission was i kept trying to find it i thought what is it first of all i thought i was going to be a carer you know and once i was able to start walking and they put me on a ward and i was getting around the ward i was trying to care for people who were in, in hospital who were traumatized by what had happened to them you know with their own stories but I, I realized that wasn't what it was supposed to be. I wasn't actually supposed to be like a, a you know, a, a first on care, if you like. Right. I realized that my mission was to sort of tell my story through all different mediums and different dimensions, you know, through music and art and now through the book and, and talking about it, you know, and people reading it. So it's just, it's interesting to see that all these, it feels like it's got a, you know, it's all kind of like a circular dimension now, my, the, the way I, relate my story as it were yeah david had you even heard of an nde when when this happened to you no not at all but i mean interestingly enough um when i woke up in hospital after they, they wheeled me into surgery and i was there for about eight hours and i remember coming through and i just remember thinking i was in this they'd given me a room on my own i was just sat there with this little machine bleeping away and, and i was just going what just happened, you know? And I was so scared. I, I thought, I, I thought I was scared. I was going to forget it all. And I thought, I've, right. I've got to tell the whole world about this. That that you know, there is there is an afterlife, and, and not to fear death, you know. So I was that's, from the off, I felt like that. And, and it wasn't until I got out of hospital uh, that I started going online to look at it, you know, see what I could find. And in fact, Dr. Raymond Moody was the first person I came across and I'd never even heard of him. Mm -hmm. And I just saw him and I, I wrote an email to him and I said, what had happened to me? And, uh, and I sent my first painting to him and he got back like within a couple of days, which is unheard of because I didn't know just how huge he was. You right, know? right. So, synchronicity. He just opened that email up and said, yeah, this is a, really great painting you know this is like a that's a lovely depiction of, of your experience you know it's a very short couple of lines nothing too you know big but that was you know and um then it was i went back to that church actually the spiritualist church where i'd where the meat and I, I couldn't remember where it was and i kept trying to find it and because it was in a, a small victorian alleyway uh, that led to the river and i used to go there with my sister you know walking to the river each day when i was recovering and then I found it. It was one Sunday afternoon. I said, that, that's, it's a doorway. There, there it is, you know. And people were going in. There was a service. So I went in. And, of course, as soon as I walked in there, and we had coffees afterwards, and they knew who I was because I'd been all over the news and stuff, you know. They came over and they explained that you had a near-death experience, you know. And uh, right. I went, oh, okay. So, you know, they were really helpful. Wow. So the painting, let's, let's talk about that just a little bit more. And then... I know your friend, the celloist, then you mm. got involved with the music. So you just, it sounds like you just had this burning desire to paint. And how did that, I, I remember reading in your book about, you said to, I think your sister, Janet, that, you know, I think I'm supposed to do a painting to show them. That's why I need this stuff. You're asking for an easel and this <laughs> and that. It, yeah. And also <laughs> your your beautiful family that your your father and your mother 
saw something different in you. And I think that's where the title of your book came. Is that correct? Like you, they said you were shining or something. They did say that. They did say that to me because um, it took me about a week to tell them uh, what had happened, you know, because as I said earlier, they're both Christians. And I thought it might sort of jar with their faith. And I thought I didn't, but I, it was important for me for them to get it, you know? And so when the, the time came for me to tell them, I told them the whole story and they sat there and listened, you know, and they, they didn't move. And then after I finished, my mum turned around and she said, we know. And I said, how do you know, mum? And she said, she said, well, we, every time we come in here, your father and I leave and we always say, he's just glowing. He's just glowing with all this energy and light and he's giving out all this love and care to people around him either people who've come to visit or even the nurses which and so it was they spotted that I mean that's a mother's instinct you know that she obviously yes. saw that so so that was really lovely yeah yeah it was so it's so great you were able to share with this loving family and they yes. listened and they validated and they thought it was beautiful that's right yeah, yeah. That's absolutely so true. the painting so you started doing the paintings and then how how did you start getting those out to the world? And then how did that transition into your, your amazing music? Well, um, I've, I, one thing I started to notice was there was a lot of synchronicity started to go on in my life. You know, I felt like that I was being helped from, from this other realm in many ways. You know, they, they helped me to sort of meet the people, people who would cross my path, you know, who, who would help me. I mean, I, I started off like I didn't know I was going to do this painting. I was staying at my sister's and I was recovering there. And uh, and a friend of theirs came around who her and her husband owned like a, a gym, like a sort of a Pilates yoga center. Right. And and they said, look, we've got a, a studio space that's going for a week because we're doing renovations. You can you, you use that and do your painting there thinking I'll get it all done in a week. You know, I said, OK, <laughs> so. I started, that was the very first one. And of course I was nowhere near finished, but they turned around and said, look, it's okay. You can stay. We'll, we'll, we'll move around you. You know, we'll, you know, we'll have classes, but we'll move you into another room. And I ended up staying there for two years with free of charge, you know, and, uh, and that was, I know they're, they're, they're really good friends now, but they were amazing because they just loved having me there. They used to call me the artist in the attic and, and people used to come in and say, who is this guy? And they'd all come up. People would be coming up before they go to their classes. So that's when I met the cellist. You know, she was one of, she was coming to the Pilates classes, you know, and uh, we got chatting. She loved my paintings. And I, people would ask what they were about. And of course, I'd say, and, and I realized then that people were fascinated to hear about the story um, from all walks of life um so yeah so that's so that's how the paintings all, all, all started but the music itself that came interestingly enough through I was having spiritual healing and this was at the spiritualist church you know and uh because that helped me a lot with my recovery right. um both physically but also mentally and, and emotionally because I, I was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder from mm-hmm. the accidents and so it helped me with that um and some of these healers um would we were clairvoyant and they would give me messages at the end of um you know when they just finished healing me the very short ones and they started saying that a succession of them would be saying things like you know i'm seeing a violin laid across your chest or i'm hearing beethoven and wagner and things and i thought i I don't know what you're talking about. Then one of them said, they're telling me that you're going to write a piece of music about your experience. So I thought, right, I'm going to go home and do that. So I got this old 
little old cheap synthesizer out there at the loft and and I just got that on a tape recorder a little cassette recorder and I just started I thought it was going to be a song and I thought it was and I was going to call it shine on and I was trying to write this song and these lyrics came through but they just wasn't really coming together and then it started to develop and I thought this is feeling more like it should be played by an orchestra so I told my friend the cellist this when we were having coffee and she said maybe we could perform it you know in in the orchestra so I thought, yeah, why not? You know, so I got all this crazy sort of like wow. sense of ambition as like nothing's going to stop me. So I kept writing and then my brother helped me. Uh, he was living in London and he said, look, I've got this piece of software that you can have and you would attach it to your computer and you, uh, I'll get you a new keyboard. And when you play on this keyboard, it would then transpose the notes you're playing into musical format, you know. So that's how I did it. And then just printed off the, all the parts. And then I met for coffee and I said, what do you think of this? Would you think you would play it? And she said, this is great. And then she got the rest of the orchestra involved and they said, yeah, we'll do it. So, <laughs> so that was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, and now you're, you're playing to sold out audiences and that's right. just for the listeners, you can go on SoundCloud, David Ditchfield, and this will all be in the show notes, but to listen to some of your music and also Google your beautiful paintings because they're just, they're just amazing. And then there, there was your, there's your book. So right, how did, yeah. and how did that, how did that come about? Um, again, synchronicity, as I said, I, I wanted to write it. In fact, all these different mediums at the church would kept coming from all over the country. I'd never met before. And they were going, gentlemen over there, you've got to start writing. They're telling me to write. You've got to write your story. And I thought, I wish, I wish, you know. And then a beautiful friend of mine I'd known from, from years back sort of had moved down from Scotland. And then we got chatting and she said, you know, when are you going to write your story? And I said, well, I can't, can I? You know, how am I going to write a book? You know, and then she said, right. well, I'll, I'll do it with you. How about that? I said, great. So that's how that started. And uh, so, you know, we, we finished it off and uh, we didn't know where it was going to go. But again, I was, I was being guided and helped. Yeah. I said, I, I explained to her that's, that scenario as well. I said, look, just have faith, you know, it will come because we tried a few publishers and we were getting the usual, you know, yeah. turned down and what have you, and it's not right for us. But I knew that we got something special here. And then suddenly, just before Christmas, uh, the, we just, I just got an email through of this guy uh, and he'd been handed the manuscript from someone else who turned us down because she, they they turned us down because it just wasn't their their stuff you know they put out but she thought it was good and this guy said look I think it's a great story this and like, can I take it to my team uh, my publishers I said yeah great and then so they straight after Christmas they offered a, a publishing deal and then and then that was it and then um, I I contacted uh, Dr Moody again. Yes. Uh, just to ask if he would be, he would read it, you know. And I never heard back for like sort of about three or four months or whatever, you know. And then suddenly his manager got hold of me and said, "I've just looked at your website that you sent uh, Raymond Moody and uh, and your story. It's amazing. He's going to love this." He said, "I'm sorry he never got back, but he's obviously so inundated, you know, that he just right. doesn't look through them all, you know. But I'm going to make sure he reads this." And so um, he read it and he loved it. And then she got back like and said that. Uh, he will he wants to you know write an acknowledgement for the book and I said oh that's fantastic you know and then later the same day she got back with another email that bounced back to me and said 
actually he's just turned around and said he will write the forward for it because he just really believes in this so <laughs> that was that was lovely you know so all that kind of energy it made you know kind of helped elevate the whole thing to sort of come together and uh, and then that, there it was and it came out in the right in the, at the start of the pandemic and I didn't know how that was going to affect it I thought is it you know but I, I still didn't lose faith I thought okay you know it could sink without trace and but it doesn't matter if it does it's still I'm really proud of it and but it didn't it, it went the opposite way actually that the pandemic actually helped me because it meant that I could do interviews with people like yourself from all different mm. corners of the world just via Zoom, you know, and uh, which was fantastic, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, David, I know life hasn't been all roses since your experience by any means. You know, you talk about the but it is, it is very, I've interviewed a lot of near-death experiencers and and it takes a long time to process all of this. And, but what is, um, how are you, what is your life like now in terms of David before and David now, in terms of people, relationships, purpose in life, that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, the one thing that I learned, um, uh, that was that I talked about earlier was that when I was in that realm that all my anxiety issues had dispersed as I said and I'd forgotten about the past and where I'm worrying about the future and I realized that that's very important to do in this life in this everyday life you know when things go wrong obviously this you're faced with adversities and but each time I remind myself of that moment and I think no stop you know be be in the moments like I was there and stop concerning yourself by creating a story that you think is going to happen you know um that could all go wrong and because you you always do so if, if you just got a letter through the post that says oh you're about to be evicted from your your apartment or whatever you know you you, you just see the worst scenario and you, and you yes. build the story around it whereas I learned not to do that I learned to stop there and say well hang on a sec I'm okay. I'm looking around me and I'm feeling all right. I'm happy where I am now. And something will come. To, we will work this out and, and, and what have you. And uh, so I'm, I'm a lot more grounded in that sense, I, I, I guess. Um, but I'm, what I'm learning is, is that my guides work with me all the time. And we've all got guides that are working with us all the time. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a question of just stopping to try and communicate with them and, and connect with them as, as much as you can and uh, they're there to help you so so my life's changed from that point of view that it's it's lovely to know that they are there and that they want to help and uh well the yeah that we're all part of the universe as well that's another big thing because i never felt that before i never had any faith my life was linear anything that went wrong you know i just wanted to try and skim over the surface of any adversity you know um but whereas now i just realize that all adversity happens for a reason and 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 normally you know something new comes out of it well every time something new comes out of it and um so yeah so it's it's that when we talk when you read that that part from my book there yeah talking about the waterfall of stars that was a profound moment because that's when i realized that we all are part of this universe and the universe is constantly moving forward as einstein said you know and also he said that you know that um you know um light is the source of all creation and and, it, and i just think that's it you know we are part of this universe and the universe wants us 
to keep creating. If you think about it, like all the, the whole animal kingdom, the, the nature, you know, all the seasons changing, and and uh, they're all led by the universe, and 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 that universe is giving this rebirth and creation. And I guess as 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 a human race, we've kind of got we're moving further and further away from that, you know, because we're so our brains are so wired to sort of being you know living, living in in our societies. So yeah, so I try to get in touch with nature as much as I can, because I think that's really important that we want to. so important. I can't agree more. Well, David, thank you so, so much. Um, This has just been wonderful. And is there anything that you would like to shout to the world? Or I think you just kind of did that, but, um, (laughs) you know, say to the world, um, or have we, have we pretty much? Yeah. Well, I guess I'd, it'd be nice to sort of uh, finish off by saying that, um, that the one thing that we I never realised before is that we are all loved as well. You know that we're really we are really loved, and, um, and if you stop to accept that, it's uh, you start to find self love, and and that's important as well. And then when, once you find self love, then you find self worth, and then you'll find that you know the synchronicity I talked about earlier happens in your life, and that you know doors will slowly open for you that are the right ones, you know the the, the ones that belong to your authentic self. Right. Well, you're such a light to the world, oh, and <laughs> thank you for all that you do. And and what what happened? What what are you going to do? Just not just, <laughs> but keep writing music and painting and, oh my gosh, you have so much to offer. <laughs> well, I don't plan actually. And I think that's really important for yes. me not to do that. Nice. You know, there's no plan. Uh, I just let things evolve. Um, I am actually working on a piece of music at the moment. So that's, okay. that the music is very big for me at the moment. So I'm a, a new symphony. So I'm looking, I'm excited about that. And that feels yeah. really good. So who knows? Let's yeah. see what comes next. So if people want to find you and your beautiful work, um, how would they do that? Yeah, I think the best thing is to go to my website, which is uh, called shineonthestory.com. And if you go to the website, you'll find you can stream uh, the, the, the first symphony for free. Uh, you can hear all three movements on there and you can see some of my paintings are on there and then you can get the links to my social media. If, if you use social media and you want to follow me, please, you know, I'm, you know, I've got a YouTube channel or Instagram, Facebook, and it, then you can, you know, see what's happening next, see what's going to come next. As I say, there's no plan, but you know, I, I do hope that things will keep evolving and there'll be new things happening. Yeah. Oh, I have no doubt. And all of that will also, all of your different links and websites will also be in the show notes. So. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so, so much. Can't wait for the next the next piece of music. I just love it for meditation and just walking. I'm in, I'm in Colorado right now and the leaves are changing oh. and it's raining oh, right now. And <laughs> it's so beautiful just to go out and walk with my dogs and listen to your music. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's like really Fantastic. magical. So thank oh. you for that. Well, thank you so much. And you have a wonderful day. Okay. And you too. Thanks, okay. Marla. Thank you, okay. David. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. 
please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.